Today on the podcast, we're talking about writing. I would argue that one of the best practices a leader can develop is the practice of writing. Not just personal and self-reflective writing like a journal, but long-form writing that captures your thinking, ideas, expertise, experiences, and stories. My guest on the podcast today is expert book coach Kelly Irving, and she believes that writing a book is much more than the outcome of holding that book in your hands, but it's a process of capturing your ideas, your stories, and becoming someone in the process. Whether you're a business owner or a leader wanting to write a book in the future or not, this episode is going to challenge the way that you think about writing in a profoundly helpful way. Hello? Hi. We'll do it live. Do it live! I'll write it and we'll do it live! Ten. Nine. Joining on the podcast is Kelly Irving. Kelly's a book coach and she is creating a new breed of authors. Her approach to book coaching was born out of a starry-eyed innocence. She wasn't programmed by years working in a stuffy publishing agency. Nobody handed her the rule book and she missed the memo that business books had to be boring. Her write book method is for the originals, the creatives and the renaissance spirits who are brave enough to share new solutions, offer new insights and reframe ideas around the most pressing issues of our lives. It's a framework for business strategy and reader transformation to beautifully coexist. In her words, your community is waiting to be ignited by your body of work. You owe it to them to share it with authenticity, courage and integrity. Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Okay, so three questions that I ask at the start of every podcast is really quick and simple. It's where were you born? What was your first job? And then what do you do now? Okay, where was I born? I was born in England. Actually, this is really funny. I feel like we're having a repeat conversation with a conversation before we started the podcast. So I was born in a little town in London, not far from Wimbledon. And I actually even mentioned my first job which was working for Virgin Megastore in the Wimbledon shopping centre there. And now I do something completely different. I'm a book coach and a professionally trained editor. So essentially I help people write books. And you're very good at it. Some people who are learning about you for the very first time, I reckon if they looked around their room right now, if you're at home or if you're in the, maybe not if you're in the car, but if you looked around, you probably got a book on your bookshelf that was written by someone who's worked with you. Some incredible authors and good friends of mine are people like Gabrielle Dolan, uh, people like Janine Garner, people like Georgia Merch. Who are some of the other authors that you've kind of worked with along the way? There's, there's so many of maybe just a few people. Well, I look at my bookshelf behind me. Uh, Donna McGeorge, Dermot Crowley sticking out there. Dr. Christy oh, Goodwin. I can see Dr. Christy Goodwin. Have you? Yes, well, she's, you on, this, she's on, on this season of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, lots of uh, Oscar. There's Oscar's book here, Oscar, Oscar Trimboli. Oscar Trimboli, yes. Yeah. Oh, so many great people. Like so many great Nixon. people I, I know and love. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Michael Dixon was on the podcast too. Oscar Trimboli's been on the podcast. Basically, if you listen to phone calls with clever people and you've thought about a couple of episodes where you're like, oh, I really like that person, there's a good chance they've worked with you at some point <laughs> to put a book out into the world. And actually, Raoul Dolan was my first client and she's my longest serving client. And again, Raoul's been on the podcast. So again, the, people know you, but they may not necessarily know you because you are the, the hidden weapon, the secret weapon behind a whole lot of really, really great thought leaders out in the world. How do you get into a space like coaching people to write their books? How do you even enter to that career? That's a good question. The way I would answer this is I kind of made it up. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> because I, I sort of did. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm a professionally trained editor, but I wasn't always an editor, obviously. And I'm kind of different because I was an editor before I was a writer. So most people tend to train in writing and then they become editors. I kind of never really thought I was a writer. I always sort of really liked working with words and, and people's knowledge already. So the closest relay, I've worked as a journalist. I've worked for, I worked in travel for a long period of time. And then I worked in education as well. So that's probably more closely related to what I do now because it was working with academics, getting inside their head to turn their knowledge and their expertise into materials for an MBA program, AKA stuff could people could actually digest and read and apply as opposed to just being theoretical. So that's probably like the closest related thing. But in talking about Rao, she was kind of my first client because she, we worked in the same co-working space and she put up a message. I want to write a book. Is there anyone who could help me? And I thought I could do that. I know how to do that. And I helped her put the book together. She got an opportunity to pitch it. I was like, oh, and I can definitely pitch this. And so we pitched it, it got picked up by a publisher and then just kind of went crazy from there. And I do remember I was a journalist at the time. So doing book, I had more and more people come to me for books. And I remember one day thinking, I wonder what would happen if I just did books. And then it sort of, I put up like a one page website and it kind of went gangbusters. But the term book coach, interestingly popularized now, like there's a lot of people calling themselves book coaches, but back then... I, and one of the things that I did essentially was to devise my own process to coach people through, because as an editor, people will come to you already with a manuscript and they think, oh, here's my manuscript. Can you help me fix up my words? And I'm like, oh my God, there's like, so like, oh my God, I can't even get to the words yet. Like there's a layer underneath all this that you've got to get to first. So I was sort of taking people back to the start and then I made up like a process to help them. And it wasn't until I discovered someone in the US once and she called herself a book coach and I was like, oh my God, that's what I do. And then I started using that term and now there's quite a few of us. <laughs> I, what, I, what I like about um, what you just said then is that a lot of people when they're thinking about writing a book and now I should say at the start of the podcast, there's some people who are going to listen to this. You have the desire to want to write a book. Maybe that's why you're listening. Maybe they saw it um, promoted through your or my network and they went, Oh, I want to hear Kelly talk about how to write a book. Maybe there's people who are listening who go, there's, there's no way in the world I want to write a book. I can't see that anytime in my future. I, this is my personal perspective. I think everyone has a book in them. I think everyone can write a book. Not everyone will write a book, but I definitely think we've got some kind of genius or cleverness. And when I started phone calls with clever people, I got a message from someone who said, I think you should take the name clever out of your name. So it shouldn't be called phone calls with clever people. And I said, why is that? And they said to me, because I think it makes people feel stupid if they were never clever at school. And I sat with that thought. I asked a few people because what I was kind of really processing um, was, okay, have I missed something? Is there a blind spot here? And what I realized is what I genuinely believe is that every single person has a cleverness and it's not intellectual cleverness in my mind. It's a cleverness. It's a genius. It's something within them that they have to share and contribute to the world. It could be a parent. It could be a teenager. It could be, you know, a business person. It could be a teacher. It could be absolutely everyone, but they've got something to contribute to the world. And so I think everyone has a book in them, but we often come to someone like you and go, oh, here's the book. Can you make it better? Can you make it great? But there's a lot more than just a book than just the outcome of the book, right? Oh, so much more. I mean, <laughs> that, yeah, this is what I love about, I mean, for me, and if you have discovered or, or, you know, anything about book writing or, 
you know, there's a real big kind of buzz industry now around it that anyone with uh, expertise or knowledge, like a thought leader, whoever it is, that you should write a book to position yourself as an expert in your field. So that for me is the result of writing a good book. It's not why you write one. And that's a really big difference for me. And so for me, I think that the thing that I love most about a book or the process of writing, the process of any long form writing when it comes to this is you are working on your whole business message, your, the way that you communicate, whether it to your clients, to your customers, whatever it is. And so a book, you know, a long form piece like this sits in the ecosystem of you. And people talk about it being a marketing tool, you know, like that thing when you walk in to somebody's office and you throw it on the desk, like some people talk about the, the business card with fab value. I'm like, no, it's so much more. It is a product. It is a product of you, your story, everything you know, everything you do, and it influences how you speak about yourself, how you sell yourself what stories you share, what workshops you put together, what presentations. It literally is this, this middle ecosystem. Everything else, you know, happens around it. I've seen authors rebrand their whole businesses based off of once they've been through a book. They've changed their business models. They've been picked up for TEDx talk, conferences that they've never been able to do before, even before their book has come out, just from sharing you know, stuff that they've kind of been able to articulate through the process. And that for me is where the gold is. In a lot of ways, funny enough, it almost doesn't matter if you get to that end point and you have that because it is actually all the stuff that happens even before that. That's, that's incredible. So much yes to that, because I think this is where people who are listening to the episode now will sit there and go, oh, I never planned to publish a book. And this conversation is going to be helpful regardless of whether you ever plan to publish a book or not. And, but if you, even if you are planning to publish it, it's so easy to get hung up on the end product, which is by the end of this, I'm going to have a book and it's going to be on a bookshelf or it's going to be, you know, published and shared with the rest of the world. And that is a small part of a much bigger picture. And what I love about your expression is it is an extension of who you are. And it's a, it's an extension of a journey that you've been on through the writing process. And so if you are listening today, I think there's an element of going, I think everyone should write a book even if that book is never published and shared with the world, but should get into the process of trying to capture their experience and their expertise and their journey and their learning um, using language and words. Oh, uh, you know what? I really love that because I've been challenged on this before. Like somebody in another podcast asked me about that everyone has a book in them. And I was like, no, I don't actually, th I don't actually agree with that. I don't think everybody does have a book in them. I think they all have story, but whether or not those stories end up in a book is a different kind of thing. But I do love the idea of writing a book regardless of whether or not it's published or finished or whatever. I think that's a really nice take on it. And I, I like that really resonates with me because of the value of that process. The thing with it is that you have to be the person to do the work. You're the one who's driven to do that. And all of the stuff about book writing and publishing and all that kind of stuff out there, you know, I could sit with you for 20 minutes and I could tell you exactly what to write and how to write it. But the one thing I or no one else can tell you is why you should be driven to write it. Like it kind of has to be that internal urge and that motivation. And I think where I see a lot of people go wrong is that end goal. And they have a lot of expectations of what that book should be or should look like. And when I talk to people about it, it's kind of like, so imagine it's like a jigsaw puzzle. 
Except the thing with a book is that, you know, when you normally do a jigsaw puzzle, you have the end picture and you're working towards putting those puzzle pieces towards that picture. So this is you have no picture or you're blindfolded and you have to work out the puzzle pieces as you go and some will stay out and some connect together and you gradually form that picture as you go. That to me is a book. And when you have, if you already go into it with this end expectation for thing, you can't get your jigsaw puzzle pieces working. Like it's like this endless jigsaw puzzle piece like that you get stuck on. And so I think, yeah, this idea of like the process and what you learn about yourself through the process is so crucial. I did this a session yesterday with, with aspiring authors and I talked about it in terms of you know, the, the, the people that I work with, especially in my expert author community, it's like a book is a mountain. It's like scaling Everest or Kilimanjaro, whatever it is. But we, we're the people who want to trudge through the ice and the snow. We want to like be with our comrades and be in the tents and like pitching stuff and, you know, helping each other, like get over the, over the, the crest, you know, to, to kind of rummage up to the top, to, to put your flag in the ground. We're not the people who are paying for the helicopter ride to kind of get shuttled down and then sticking in the flag. I love that metaphor. It, it, it almost doesn't matter, you know, what happens at the end, because even if you think about that and you think about anybody who has scaled mountains before, they never, they don't talk about that end part. They don't talk about, you know, all the stuff that happened around sticking the flag in the end. They talk about all the, all the stuff that came before in the preparation and the planning and the stuff that was hard and how they got out of it and who they were around. And, and I think that that is a really good way of capturing, you know, what it's all about. It's leading me to ask the question that I didn't want to ask so soon, but because as soon as you, you talk about that, you think about, like, imagine sitting and hearing someone speak about their, the journey to Everest and the summit of Everest. And then, you know, they're hyped up as this, the bio of the speaker who's, you know, scaled Everest. And there's a photo of them at the top of the cliff. And then all of a sudden they get up and they go, well, anyway, I took a helicopter up and it was actually quite enjoyable. And we, we him and this, we sat on the top. You would be so frustrated and disappointed because there is, <laughs> there was no endurance. There was no resilience required, but the journey actually makes that story one that you want to listen to. And I've heard a story. I was speaking at a conference with a, another speaker who had scaled Everest and um, I had to go second, which sucked <laughs> because he basically got up there and showed photos of him getting frostbite on his nose and scaling Everest. And then I got up afterwards and was like, sometimes it takes me two pushes to get off the couch. <laughs> so, what made him so captivating as a speaker was to hear his struggle and his journey and his challenge. And every single kind of step along the way made that summit so much more valuable to him. So I, I really love that picture. I also think as well, that's a really good analogy for, you know, what I get people to do while they're writing, which is sharing that journey with other people. So too many people think about you know, that you have to like go off on this author sabbatical for three months and you lock yourself in a room and you, you work in this little silo and you don't tell anybody that you're writing a book because you're scared about the fact that they might ask you how you're going and then you're like held accountable. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like people want to be part of that journey with you. And that's one of my first steps when I start working with people is you made the commitment now, you have to verbalize that to your network to tell people you're writing a book. And 100%, I guarantee you, got someone actually who I was just supporting on LinkedIn, she did it today. I 100% guarantee you, it will be one of her most popular and most engaged posts. It's always funny because I know 
when someone is working with you because they pop up in my LinkedIn saying, Hey, I'm writing a book. And I always know that I'm like, I guarantee you they're working with Kelly because that is such the crucial part of it is taking people on that journey. Because again, one of the things that we've been talking about is this idea that we're often so hung up on the end product, holding a book in your hands. What I love about it is there's so many elements that go into to kind of getting to that outcome and that result. And it's who we become in the process of that as well. And so I think if you're a leader, I think one of the most valuable things that you can be doing is, well, two things. One is a process of reflection. So taking a time regularly to look at what am I doing and what have I learned? And the second is a practice of writing. And typically we would look at writing as journaling. And I don't necessarily journal in, in its kind of purest form, but I write regularly about my experience, my expertise, what I'm learning, who I'm becoming. And I find that is without a doubt, one of the most helpful habits that I've developed is long form writing about my experiences and my expertise. What's the distinction between someone who journals and someone who writes regularly? They both have value, but both in different ways. And I do think that journaling is more in that moment. Here's a really big distinction, actually. Journaling is writing for yourself. Writing is writing for someone else, right? So I'll give you a really good example when you look at memoirs, okay, because memoir books are a personal journey, right? It's normally autobiographical. It's about the author. It's their personal journey. And people, a lot of people want to write a memoir because they've, they've got something that happened. It might've been the thing that spurned them into, you know, why they do what they do today. And they want to share that with someone else. And what they do is they write the book for them. And they don't actually think about who the reader is on the other end. So they're products, books are products and they're commercial. So every, every fiction book is a commercial entity. It's about consumers on the other end. You're writing for what somebody else wants to read, not what you want to read. And that's a really big distinction. And I find that this is a subtle, but almost like one of those head blowing moments for people when they're writing where they're like so focused on this is my story and my experience and my expertise. And when they realize that there's a difference between writing for somebody else and where somebody else is, meeting where that reader is and writing based on that reader's needs, the person on the other end, it changes everything because it's almost like this beginner's mindset where you're not actually writing from the perspective of I'm the expert and I'm sharing this, it's actually you're meeting where the other person is at. I think that's probably one of the biggest distinctions. Journaling is awesome, but it's private almost. It's not really something. I mean, you, I mean, you might share your thoughts with other people in some sort of way, but it's really for you. And I think, you know, when you talk about that self-reflection, that it's reflective in both instances, but it's very reflective for you and where you're at and mean you where at the moment. When you're Putting longer form writing together, it's really about meeting somebody where they're at. I'm so glad you have that frame on it because I think that's exactly where I guess my perspective is on on writing. Uh, someone said to me, life is summed up by a series of breathing in and breathing out. Like if you think about life, life is inhale, exhale, and it has two distinct purposes. One is the inhale, which is to, it's about you and the exhale is that it's about others. And the way that they journal is that they have an open book with a left page and a right page. And on the left-hand side, they journal for themselves. And on the right-hand side, they find out what learning and lessons are valuable for others. And I think that distinction of, of walking through life with an inhale and an exhale, whereas this is for me, and then this is how what's been helpful for me might be helpful for others, is a really nice practice to, to get into. And what I, what I like about that, about that practice is sometimes I will write something and I'll sit there and go, oh, this is really good. 
And then I remembered that was really good for me. That's not necessarily, and I, so I always think, oh, I should post that on my LinkedIn. Like, actually, no, that's not for them. That's actually for me. And so the practice of journaling is helpful so I can look back at my, my life and I go, yeah, there's, there's things for me in that. But when you get out of that me, me, me kind of focus and you go, how might some of the, my learnings or my experience or my expertise help other people? It's a complete reframe on the way that you write. And you go, there is another person in your mind as you're writing this out. And I find that is a, such a helpful practice. The breathe in and the breathe out. Like, oh uh, yeah, I love that. And I think it, yeah, that really resonates with me and you know, I think almost with the, the memoir sort of thing as well, it's when I'm coaching people around that, it's almost like some people you kind of have to, you know, because writing can be cathartic. So what they do is they do journal. They think they're writing on form, but they journal. They're feeling that, you know, cause it's that cathartic sort of thing. And you have to get them to the point of understanding that, well, that's cool. But now you have to look at it through the lens of, but what's in it for the reader? Cause you're writing your story for someone else. And so sometimes that breathe in is write your first dirty draft for you, breathe out, now rework it, looking at what's in it for someone else. I shared this with you before we started recording. I was talking to someone recently who they were kind of in a career that was a little bit challenging. They had to have some difficult conversations and a bunch of other things. And and I said to them, I said, one thing that you probably won't do now is capture your learning as you're learning it. Uh, and I, we saw this for a lot of teams during COVID. COVID, we went through things we'd never experienced before. And what happened is people waited two years to then look back and go, what did we learn from COVID? And I'm like, you've missed it. Like you've lost so many valuable lessons because you can't remember two years worth of day-to-day conversations and decisions. And so one of the things I always encourage people to do is, is capture your learning as you learn, as you learn it while the emotions are fresh and raw and everything, the experience that is there and have that moment for yourself, but then very, very quickly find a way to go, what value is there in this learning that might help other people at some point? And you'd be amazed at how often you get back in, you know, two or three, four years in the future and someone says, oh, I'm going through a really tough time in your career. And you go, boom, go straight back to your journals. You go, where was I at? What was I feeling? But then what did I learn and how might that actually be helpful for other people? And there is so much of that journey that you can capture, which is super helpful for people. Kind of reminds me of Peter, one of my recent clients, Peter Scott. Um, so his book, Running Deep, is a memoir about his submariner life. I don't know if you've seen it, but it actually reached parliament the other day. So they had it in parliament. Yeah. Um, and apparently parliament doesn't have any props. So that sort of shows you the value of, of this story. And um, he did use a lot of journals to influence his story. So he wrote his story, but there were periods of time where he went back to reflect on what happened in that moment. What did I feel in that moment? So his journals influenced the story, but the story is not his journals. Uh, so I think that they, you know, they complement each other. They very, they really do complement each other. Definitely should make that clear. I think there's a, a deep value in reflective journaling and practice. This is not an either or, it's yeah. a both and. And it is, it's inhale, exhale. There's value in being able to capture your thoughts for you. And there's value in being able to capture your thoughts for others. Because I think so much of our best writing does come out of our own experiences. And it's the, it's the cliff faces that we have to scale for Everest. And this is the question that I didn't want to ask too soon, because I feel like ChatGPT <laughs> is one of those things that focuses on the output. It's like, it's the helicopter ride <laughs> to Everest and missing out on the <laughs> crucial part in between. Where, where do you sit as a book coach? Where do you sit on ChatGPT right now? <laughs> That's a really good description. And actually I'm, I'm giggling as well because my husband, Cameron, who works with me, 
he, I'm kind of like the, the front end of the business. He's the back end and he's all, he's been using chat GTP before it became a thing. Right. So he designed all this stuff around it. And, you know, he, I think he kind of sums it up really well, which is kind of what you said anyway, as well, you know, in terms of it being the exhale, it is the helicopter ride. It is awesome. Like there's nothing, you know, it is going to change how we work. I use it, Cam uses it quite a bit to, to do bits and pieces, but I think that's the thing, bits and pieces. So it's not a holistic, it can't look at a whole bunch of things and take this holistic kind of thread and framework. And I think to me, it's not a new conversation because we've been talking about AI for so long now. And, you know, AI will never be able to take away our creativity and our personal skills and our soft skills and stuff like that. This is no different. Um, and I, I, there's a time and a place for it, but in terms of longer form writing, well, here's a good example as well. It's a bit of an aside, but it, it's actually about ghostwriting. So ghostwriters are, you know, people will go to a ghostwriter writer book, which basically means that that person's going to interview you and they're going to write your book on your behalf based on your interviews. So you don't necessarily, I mean, you might tinker around depending on, on the ghostwriter, but you're not sitting down and doing the work. So I'm always really clear with people when they come to me, I'm not going to do your work for you. I'm not a ghostwriter. I am going to work with you 100%. Whatever you put in, I will double, you know, it's like a, a collaborative, co-creative process. And the reason why for me, people want to write their own work is because, well, two things, they don't want to rob themselves of the process and that ability to think through their own thoughts. And it is that the difference between the helicopter ride and the going through the ice. It's that personal feeling of accomplishment and journeyment. And I 100% guarantee you, anybody I've ever known who comes to me and has worked with a ghostwriter, they never feel 100% congruent about their book. There's something a bit off for them. Even if the ghostwriter is awesome at encapsulating their own voice and stuff like that, to them as the author, they feel like it's not them. And I think it's because they know it's not them. And they know they didn't go through the ice and the snow to get there. And I think it, it, it's exactly the same thing with chat DTP. It, it can, you know, all these things are awesome for particular things and they can get you somewhere, but there's a personal element to all this. It, it feels a bit like, uh, look, I, I don't want to add another metaphor to the mixture of here, but it does feel like going to the gym and asking someone else to, to do the bench press for you or to lift the weights for you. And you're sitting there and going like, yes, we're getting so fit right now. And it's literally someone else sitting at the bench and you're going, yes, great job. And, and I think there is an element of, I remember years ago, I had this post, I never actually posted on social media, but it was this caption that said something to the effect of don't outsource your thinking because there's lots of things you can outsource, but you just can't outsource your thinking. And, um, I remember getting to that point, sitting there going, okay, it is, it feels a little bit like as a writer. And again, whether you're a writer writing a book or whether you're just writing to capture your experience and expertise, there is something so satisfying about lifting the dumbbells and doing the reps over time. And I love ChatGPT, but I see it much more like as a person who's helping with like certain technique from time to time, someone's going, Hey, you've been doing this for so long. And it's a really bad habit. Have you considered thinking about it like this? And I go, oh, I had never even considered that it could be that way. And so there's little elements of things where I can help, but yeah, definitely not outsourcing my thinking. Can I add to that? On the chat GPP thing, and it reminds, so the thing for me with good writing, say a lot of people ask, what do, 
what is good writing? Like, what does it tell you? Or, you know, you'll, you'll often hear the, I'm not a writer, you know, like all of that kind of stuff. Real writing is rewriting. So no one ever sits down and taps out, you know, not even, you know, your James Patterson's of the world, stuff like that. They go through draft after draft after draft. It is such a myth that people just sit there and tap out this perfect thing. And so ChatGTP reminds me of this because it's like, oh, great. Look at this basis that I've got to go on. Now I can rework it and add to it and bring things in and all of that kind of stuff. And the other thing I think that I wanted to add is that the distinction between thinking and writing. And so when it, it, going back to that, you know, when people would normally come to me, going to an editor, thinking that you're ready for the words, for someone to help fix up your words. So my difference is getting people to understand words is just the icing on the cake. Where you need to go to is this foundational level, which is thoughts, ideas, intellectual property, your stories, your experience. And that foundation is the building block for everything else. So, and that's, that's why, you know, as a good example of you know, why I do what I do and how I do it now. It's like, I don't actually almost care about you. You know, people think when they go to an edit, they're like, oh, I've got to show you some proof of my writing or my blog post. I'm like, I actually need to see that because it, it's the stuff underneath it. It is that, that's, that's like the foundational work to, you know, building a house. So you've got to have a floor. You've got to be connected to the water and the electricity before you start bringing in the sexy furniture and coloring the walls. Like we want to skip forward to the sexy stuff, but it's thinking. That's where the that's where the juice is. That's where the the secret sauce is and all the other stuff can come later. I, this, this is something that just popped in my mind as you said that because I, I, I love that that thought. And I, I wonder if there is a a sexiness that comes with the idea of being an author, but to be an author, we've first got to be a writer and to be a writer, we first have to be a thinker. And I think we love the sexiness of the author, but we don't always love the hard, consistent effort that comes with being a good thinker. Oh, yeah, that's interesting to go through that because it reminds me of an author at the moment and he was, you know, he, he's my classic author when he started the journey, wasn't sure about, you know, whether he had anything valuable to say, went through the process, actually, you know, in Mark Berry, Fraction Stronger. And, you know, he's got this amazing book now. He's won like multiple awards. And even just the other day, he sort of said, oh, I know I want to be a writer now. And I'm like, (laughs) you've written a book, you know, that you're right. So it's kind of a chicken and egg scenario, I think. Like where, where do people see themselves in that triangle? And the thinking piece, I think, is underestimated, really underestimated. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'd be curious to hear your perspective, Shana. I mean, you've got two books now, but if you think back to before you had your first book, you know, what was your thoughts around being an author? You know, what's funny is I still struggle to tell people I'm an author, which is quite funny because um, people will go, you've written two books. And I go, oh yeah, but I don't feel like, an, and I, I feel like an author in some context. So I sit down, I was having a, um, at a hotel in Sydney a few weeks back and they do like a 5 p.m. you know drinks and free drinks in the lobby and I, I happened to go down there and I got in a conversation with a stranger and she'd just flown in from the U.S. and was heading to New Zealand for a writing retreat and I said so what do you do and she said oh I'm an author and I was like oh great you know what do you write and she showed me her book and it was like this New York Times best-selling book and it was like a a fiction book and I was like oh you're an author author <laughs> 
<laughs> and, I, and I was like, oh, I, I'm, I'm kind of an author, but I'm not, I'm not like an author author. So it did, it, it, it feels strange because there's definitely a picture that I had. I think what in my mind I had was that she was a writer, like a, she was a, a very skilled writer, but I didn't feel necessarily much like an author. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Like how we differentiate nonfiction writing as well to fiction writing. Yeah, it's interesting the interchange of labels, really. In the same kind of sentence that I know that at my core, I'm a thinker. That's that's really where, where I see my place in the world. People go, oh, you're a trainer, you're a coach, you're all these other things, you're a speaker. And I go, yeah, I am those things, but they're an output of who I am as a person and who I am as a thinker. If I could have my way, I would sit in a room locked up, I would read and I would write and I would just think and I would, I could be totally okay with my own thoughts for a period of time. And I think what often people get to see through social media and other elements of that is the is the consequence of my thinking as opposed to the goal of it. Yeah. And I think the way I differentiate it is if you look at someone like, I don't know, Seth Godin or something like that, it's what is the main output or use of word output in terms of that person's business and where they're spending, you know, if you were to put a percentage on how they spend their time. So for you, a book is one of the things in addition to all of the other things that you do, which is why I think you feel hard to say, I'm an author, because someone who's saying, I'm an author first in, rep in response to what do you do, the primarily the thing that they're doing is writing and using that as an output, like a Seth Godin or a James Clear. And there might be other things that they do around that, but the percentage of their time is really spent around that. And I think that's where the difference is. So let's kind of take a bit of a journey back through this conversation. In, in a moment, I'm going to ask you um, one question that I typically love to ask people, which is if you had a little soapbox to stand on for 60 seconds and you wanted to get in your soapbox and speak to, let's speak to someone who's thinking about like, maybe one day I want to write a book. Maybe you're the kind of person I work with one day in kind of 40 to 60 seconds or 30 seconds, however long you want. What's the kind of soapbox that you would stand up and what, what would you be saying to that person directly? And, and as you do, as you kind of think about that, this is the, this is the kind of journey that I feel like we've been on today, which I think it's a really valuable one, which is whether you are a thought leader, expert, consultant that one day wants to write a book or, and you know, put something out into the world and publish it, or whether you're a leader or just a team member that is in the process of going, you know, I want to be able to capture my learning, my expertise, my experiences, my stories, my ideas. I think everyone should be regularly going through that practice of self-reflection, of journaling, and also writing in some kind of long form content in a way that is focused on other people. I think there's a really nice balance. And when it comes to writing, yes, there's incredible tools out there, but don't, don't helicopter to Everest. I, I love that metaphor. I just think that is such a powerful metaphor. Do the, do the journey because so much of the process and the journey is where the magic happens. And so if you were to kind of leave people with 40 to 60 seconds on your soapbox, what, do you, what, what, do you, what would you say to people today? I think my soapbox is the fact that if you think you don't have something to say, that's why you should say it. Because I think for me, what really, uh, what I see a lot is that it's the people who don't think that they have anything to say or anything to value to contribute. They're the people who should be sharing stuff because they're the people that do the work and they see the value in it. And then they're the ones that get the real wins. It isn't a, you know, people look at books and they go, oh, everybody's already said what I've wanted to say. Who am I to, to say something? And I don't think you have to be like, for me, you don't have to be the the leader of Facebook or Google or any of these big, it, it's the everyday people who have real stories and real 
tangible, practical experience. They're the ones that should be wrapping up their life lessons and sharing that in whatever format that is with other people and not keeping it to themselves. So much yes to that. Because there will be people who listen to this and, and their immediate thought, even from the very start of this podcast, they will have listened to it and go, book coach, ah, never me, not me. And those people have something to contribute. And I think that they, you're right, they'll do the work. And if you, and if you are willing to do the work, you can bring something into the world, which adds value to the lives of other people. I, I couldn't agree more. This has been such a great conversation. I, I feel like we could talk all day. And before we hit record, we were like, oh, shivers, we should press record because we could talk all day. Kelly, I know there'll be some people who are listening to this who go, I, I just want to start this journey with you. I want to get involved and, and I want to write a book. What's the best way for people to connect with you and to connect with your work? Yeah. So my website is kellyirving.com, but I want to, I want to encourage one thing, one resource, if I could, is it reminded me of what, what we were just saying there about the value and people not realizing that they've got something to say. So I use this tool called the book screening canvas with people. And what I love most about it, when I use this tool with people, people who don't think that they have anything to say can go through this really quickly in 15 minutes. And the result Everybody who comes, who's done it comes back and said, and they're like, oh my God, I never realized I had so much good like lessons or learnings that I could do. I had someone do it the other day and she was like, oh, I kind of completed it thinking about my dad should write a book. And then I went through this process and I realized, oh, maybe, maybe I do have something to say. So I'm going to give you the link because I really want people to play with it. And I think it's part of that. We talked about the in-how and the ex-how and the self-reflection. This is a really good tool just to actually see that you do have more to say and to share on that ex-how than you actually think. Yes. What's the link? And I'll put it in the show notes as well for people. Kelly Irving slash canvas. Amazing. So kellyirving.com forward slash canvas. And um, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that resource. I know people will get a lot out of it. And of course, we'll put all the details for people to connect with you on social media through LinkedIn and and your website and any other way that they connect with you as well. would encourage you, if you're ever thinking of considering starting that that process of writing a book, don't write the book and then go, hey, Kelly, check out what I've written. Uh, what do you think about it? Like engage you early in the process because I think it's, it is the process. It's not just the outcome of writing that is so valuable to people. So Kelly, thanks so much for joining on the podcast. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, everyone. That's it for another week of phone calls with clever people. Thank you so much for taking the time to invest in you by checking out the podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the episodes as they're released. And of course, I'd love to hear how this has added value for you in the reviews. Have a fantastic week. 